mixed emotions To you, so I'm not immune to try Since I'm bringing all my heart Reaching out, reaching out Welcome to episode 7 of The Happiness Chair. We are a group of Sustainable Development Goal advocates from the YMCA, giving a young person's perspective on the COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode, we talk about how we feel about entering the second phase of reopening the country and what world we want to live in post-pandemic. We speak about climate change, environmental issues, the problems of fast fashion and how these can lead to inequality. As this is the happiness chair, we will finish with a number of happy stories. Unfortunately, Alicia was unable to join us this week, but have no worries, she'll be back for the next one. Without further ado, enjoy the happiness chair. So hello everyone, and welcome. Uh, We'll begin, as we always do on the happiness chair, with our check-ins. So, how are we all feeling today? Hi, I'm Alicia. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good today, a bit tired. Um, as I have managed to somehow walk 20,000 steps just walking around the city. Um, nice but, one, well yeah, played. Pretty good. <laughs> Feeling pretty good. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Mark, and like Alicia, I'm also a bit tired today, uh, but I'm feeling good. Um, I've been busy couple of weeks with some work at home, but I am feeling well energized for this podcast. Looking forward to having a great discussion. Fantastic. Um, hi, uh, I'm Maya, um, and yeah, I'm actually exhausted. Um, it's been quite a busy couple of weeks um, with everything that's going on um, and the work that I do. Um, it's been pretty intense, but I'm planning on kind of just taking a couple of days, maybe Thursday and Friday off from literally everything, well, as much as possible. Um <laughs> and just chilling nice sounds like a good plan and um, hi everyone i'm john and today again i'm feeling tired as well so it seems we're going to have a tired podcast on our hands so if there's a not as much laughing and joking and jumping around as you're used to then please bear with us um i'm just back from work i'm trying to set up a new morning routine so i'm a bit tired from that and but yeah it's been going good. It's nice to be out in the air for most of my day rather than sitting inside. So, everyone, the first thing we shall begin with is, as we've just entered phase two this week, and reopening, and how we can now travel the entire way around County Cork if we should want to. How are we all feeling? Um, I'm actually quite happy to see um, a bit of kind of movement in sectors that have been completely closed off before I mean like personally for me I work in a bar restaurant um coffee place kind of setting but best of both worlds kind of thing um and it was completely shut down basically until now and even just being in the city now and seeing um you know like a few more people out and about social distancing but also you know back at work you know, back to making money, back to some bit of normality, back to seeing friends who might have been completely isolated from everyone before. It's just a bit of humanity is back. And I know that there will be some repercussions um, from the reopening and maybe a few people who act irresponsibly as well. But overall, the way that I've seen it opening up has been quite positive. 
uh, it, it is good to see people out and about and kind of getting back to normal. Uh, for me, I was a bit surprised to see the government speed up the reopening so quick. I was the same, Mark, to be honest. But I do think that it will have positive outcomes. I mean, it will people will get back to work faster, back to their normal lives, or this new normal, which is a good thing at the end of the day. And we are handling the new cases and coronavirus very well at the moment, I think. Yeah, like, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, just being from a tourist hotspot, though, um, does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, um, just because I already know of droves of people coming down to where I'm from in the next couple of days. Um, and I think movement is good. I think it's great to be, you know, getting out there and seeing people you haven't before and really kind of, you know, getting a little back to normal. But um, I don't, I don't know whether it's, that's, I don't think they really thought about how huge Cork is. Um, so it does concern me a little bit um, because I'm from a beach area and that kind of thing. So while I'm really excited to, you know, see my friends and, you know, actually kind of get out a little bit this summer, I'm a little bit concerned for my local area. I then, to be honest, to throw a spanners in work, um, basically the complete opposite. I'm um, quite frightened, if I'm honest. Um, I don't like the idea of the country opening up as quickly as it has. Um, I don't particularly think it's a good idea. Um, as as I was listening, was on it was on Claire Byrne live, and honest, she had um a doctor, and he was speaking about the fact that at this very moment in time, we have the same number of cases as when Ireland began to enter its lockdown back in March. Um, so this is my fear: it's that we are basically going to have a second wave at the moment. And where I work, seeing lots of people walking around the place, seeing very little social distancing being implemented by visitors. Um, it makes me properly afraid, to be honest, because I, I see a second wave before my eyes. Um, Ireland is the slowest country in the world at opening up, um, but the analogy I've been thinking about and I've been using for the last few days has been, it seems at the moment as if we're someone whose house has just flooded. And the house has been flooded for a few days and we've come down one morning and gone, do you know what? I've had enough of this flooding. The flooding is gone. There's no more flooding. <laughs> that doesn't get rid of the water around my knees. I actually the agree with you. still here. So this is my fear. I actually feel very, very much the same. Um, like, I'm kind of... I feel like it was maybe a little bit premature. Um, I think it was done with more of a focus on the economy which is really important like we do need to you know get the economy up and running again but i'm always uh, i suppose that kind of thing my main focus is always people rather than economy and i know that's a very naive kind of um mindset but it Maya, does worry it, it me. isn't let's be honest it isn't. <laughs> if there's no people there's no economy exactly you see that's the thing is what worries me now is like i've been seeing some really questionable um stuff non-social distancing just people having huge parties on snapchat um and while it's great you know like yeah you can see your friends again lads it's not the time for a huge gaffer um <laughs> like i know yeah. the feeling you want to see your mates you want to enjoy the summer i actually saw this um quoted in um a couple of times um 
and it was like we need to get our summer back you know we need to enjoy our summer and they're like what point is there enjoying our summer if we're all going to be dead afterwards? Okay, that's a very um, extreme thought. And we are not all going <laughs> to be dead We're all going to be dead. The whole but, country wiped out. Yeah, like, what's the point? As we're saying, like, but obviously, we're not going to die. Um, one, 1% of us will. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. And, like, my thing is, it could be my granddad. Um, exactly. And I won't be enjoying see, my summer then. No. So you have to, um, it feels if you have to have skin in the game at the moment. Um, yeah. A lot of people be are beginning to feel that they don't, and so they've had enough. Um, yeah. Also, when I when I hear people speak about going back to normal, I don't really like that all that much because I don't think the normal was good, nor do I think it was right. Um, I look at shops. So the Aware was one of the shops that went under recently. That's gone into receivership, and a few other shops like that have. And I feel for the people who work there. I really feel for the people who no longer have jobs. But I also think that if you run a company that can no longer exist because um, the lockdown, because basically people are now only buying um, the essentials, then you are running a wrong company. Um, your job is in the wrong mm. sector. It's in the wrong job. On, so on, that, on that note, John, I just, I was here, I came to Cork a a few days ago basically the minute I arrived the first thing I saw basically was a line of people waiting at Oasis which is a it's not I think it's not it's more of a they wouldn't be like our generation probably would shop there much but they're having like a sale now because they're opening up again and there was a literal line of people like I would say 30 people lining up for this store and I was like oh no here we go again it's restarting it is starting up again if the listeners could see i have my head in my hands at this moment i'm Um, pretty sure um oasis is closing down as well i think i could be wrong but i thought um my mammy said that they were shutting down um good <laughs> I'm sorry. Store. This is no hate towards the Oasis workers out there. We all have to earn a wage, but I think as just in general, the the, there are certain stores you can see the way that they produce is just unethical yeah. in every sense of the word. Exactly, and I think this really um, is beginning to verge onto what we what our plan is for the rest of this podcast. This episode is to talk about the world we want to live in post-COVID, post the pandemic. And so I think this is the perfect place to begin that conversation. Um, so firstly, let's talk about our environmental issues and the environment. What world, what environmental-wise do we want to live in once this pandemic is over? I mean, I think the way that the world um, functioned during the pandemic showed that it can work. It can happen for production. I know it's not the same as how life is going to go in the future, but I think we still all managed on less. I think a lot of, like, I certainly realized you don't need so much stuff. Not the amount of stuff that you need is very little if you actually can't access it then you just get on with your life you know if everybody realized like the cost of their purchases in terms of 
CO2 emissions or, mm. you know, the impact it's going to have on your own, your environment in five years, 10 years, then people would act a little bit more sustainably. But I think in, in the way, I don't know how to frame it really, but I think it's just people, people must have realized that although it wasn't ideal or as comfortable or as easy or as, um, you know, that it used, that life used to be, it can work. And you can be still quite comfortable in that. I agree. And I think we have a a bad mindset at the moment. I read an article a few years ago that always stuck with me. And it said that we're this generation or this kind of the last 50 to 100 years, we're the first group of humans who've ever expected life to be better for our children. So if you go Mm -hmm. back 200 years ago, or you go back 300 years ago, a peasant living in the 1700s, his life is basically the same as a peasant who lived in the 1400s, who lived in the 1300s, who lived almost 3,000 years ago. If you were a peasant, this is if you're a peasant, not one of the upper lords, your life is basically the same for the last few thousand years. It's only after the Industrial Revolution have things begun to change so drastically. We're also the first generation after the Industrial Revolution that think life is going to be worse for our children rather than better. So we kind of are in a very interesting change. And yet we're still buying into the system and trying to buy, 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 trying to take, 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 live as best we can rather than realising we have to cut back to survive. I think while we're talking about a post-COVID world, it's important for us to realize and more importantly for governments to realize that this is an opportunity for change. And we haven't had the, the major opportunity. We, we, as we're about to restart our country and restart even the world um, and many countries get back to normal over the next couple of months or a new normal, it is a time where we can make significant change in the sectors that we can choose where you want that change to happen. Which I think is important to remember that. I like that a lot, Mark. And Mark, what changes would you like to see? Well, I mean, if you think back before COVID-19, in terms of environmental issues, we had so many problems and with the climate movement and everything. I mean, what I want to see is what is when companies start starting back up, going back to the way they were, that I want the government to introduce these new protocols because the protocols that we introduced to handle COVID-19 anyway, and it's no, it shouldn't be any issue to introduce new protocols to handle things like environmental issues or climate issues to decrease CO2 emissions, especially with our, our new government reform over the next, however long it will take, hopefully next couple of weeks. <laughs> it's an important time to, I know that sounds maybe a bit optimistic, but hopefully uh, it's, it, it's the perfect time to implement whatever changes that need to be implemented, whatever they may be. Would there be any like specific thing you think yourself would work? Well, as I said, like, I mean, for me, CO2 emissions is a big thing. We've lived the last three months with like minimal um, transport in terms of cars, trucks, uh, vehicle transportation. And I believe you see it in like, the price of petrol and diesel has gone way down. And yes. I, to be honest, I, I've, not, I've done no research into what it is, but I suspect it's just because less people are using it therefore the value goes down which uh, is a good thing it's a great thing and it like, is. It, it's a, it's your chance to use to develop more in public transport 
to even keep those CO2 emissions down. Mark, there has also been a price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Um, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, that that has brought it down. But I think the biggest issue and the biggest thing bringing it down has definitely been the reduction of the movement of movement of people and the use of petrol and diesel. I mean, it'd be very, it's very disappointing to think that when it's all over, that we'll go back to major traffic all around the world. Oh yeah, again, especially when so many companies can work from home. It's a, these these small things that will have a major impact for someone who like gets public transport to college. I mean, I see it every morning. An hour, an hour and a half in traffic trying to get to uh, college is not. It's not nice. It's 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 not, it's not nice to be able to sit in that, and no one likes it. But people do it because that's what they have to. Do, that's what they're paid to do. But people need to realize that they don't have to. They can work from home in a lot of circumstances, and I hope that. CO2 emissions will be reduced if we can bring in legislation or if something about public transport can be implemented. They're good ideas. Maya, Alicia, do you have any thoughts on what environmental changes you'd like to see in the post-COVID world? I'd like, okay, on a social level, I would like people to um, begin asking more for climate justice um and see the climate as a interconnected thing that supports life on earth i suppose but also see the social aspects um because i feel like in ireland we not everyone but a lot of people are very focused on what's happening here and they don't um and the climate is something that affects agriculture and that kind yes. of stuff, you know, like basic level things, the fish in our sea, the birds in our air, that kind of thing. Um, I would really like people to have more awareness about um, how our environment is also extremely important for livelihoods, but also for um, reducing inequalities um, and that kind of thing. So like when we ask for climate justice, we're asking for improvements not just on awareness about climate change but the impact climate change has upon communities and the impact community have communities have to create climate action if that makes sense yes it does hey <laughs> look at we go um <laughs> that's one thing yeah, that's really, um really essentially i just like people this is very basic thing but i'd like people to work more as a community um and instead of focusing all on singular issues, um, I think it's important to focus on issues, but to see the broader picture and to see how those issues intersect and interconnect with others and use that not as a way of separating ourselves, but how we should be working together on these things. Because let's say I'm working on, I'm working with refugees and asylum seekers, um, human rights stuff that doesn't that is very interconnected with climate action um and climate justice because um you know if you look at you know in bangladesh which is one of the most climate vulnerable places in the world um there's the impact um that refugees and asylum seekers and migration has on the environment is really really serious um and also but, there are the converse is also true that the environment can exacerbate um, exactly. Problems. 
Exactly. That's it. Um, that's exactly it. That's the point I'm trying to make is that I, that's just how I, I see things and I like to see things is how the opportunity that we have to support each other as kind of a global community. Um, yes. So, so, so for people to become more aware of their role as global citizens rather than just citizens of the nation they're in or their yes. local community or their area. Exactly. That's it. Hmm. I, I think COVID-19 like, COVID crisis has definitely shown us how to act as a community. I mean, the community spirit, spirit in, a lot, in a lot of communities around Ireland has been very high during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. Really that, has. Was, that was sort but, of a shift we saw, I think. It was. And in the same way that we saw a shift in how people engaged and were more selfless in a way, I think the same could be said in terms of legislation. You know, Ireland dealt with the COVID crisis really swiftly. They implemented yes. legislation. They, you know, created payments. And mm. the same could be done for environmental issues if the realisation hit, you know. I don't even think it's a realization. The realization is here. Is there needs to be a will. There has to be a political mm. will and a public will. There was mm. a political will behind the government's actions, but there was also the public. There was great public buy-in. We sadly don't have that around climate change at the moment. But can I ask you? And because I've I've seen myself as well that there has been a great shift towards community action, but it's been at a local level. I don't think I've seen that at a national or international level. Well, international level, actually, I have seen it national. Um, so what would you think about that? Have you seen, do you think there has been a coming together internationally around the country? Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. In this, now, I'm trying to think, I, I think that. Now, I'm trying to actually think of examples to back it up, uh, which is a little bit more difficult. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I suppose... I I, don't, oh, I, I honestly don't think I have. I'm just thinking, like, I think I'd be, I, I would pride myself in kind of being pretty well informed with what's going on. And I'm, you know, quite active on, on social media and I watch, you know, like quite, know quite a lot about what's going on at the time. And I haven't seen much link up, but I suppose I wonder what could really be done. I think each each country or each region kind of had their issue and they dealt with it as a country. And I think there was a lot of solidarity between say regions within a country or the counties within Ireland. But I think that was the focus because there wasn't, I don't think there was a huge amount of support. And this is my Western perspective to the max because I'm thinking, Oh, but what could they really, you know, what could we really have done to support say, you know, other parts in Europe while we were dealing with our own crisis but there were there still are areas in you know Africa that are struggling so much more than we ever did or ever will from this and I think that's something that still could be heavily improved on in terms of you know like their Somalia was struggling hugely they had their amounts of hospitals their ICU capacity is <laughs> you know, tiny compared to even Ireland, which was already at a maximum limit. I think in terms of an international community and COVID, there was a lot more that could have been done 
But at the same time, of course, each country is still trying to just deal with the crisis in the best way they can. I'm sure Leo was overrun, still is. As I have once heard it said, I think it was the World Health Organization said it, that the pandemic has shown us that we are as vulnerable as a species as our least capable health service. Because a virus like this can survive in an area if that health service isn't well maintained or isn't well funded, and then it can spread again to the rest of the world for a second time. So from what you were saying, Alicia, I I agree. Um, I don't think there has been as much international help, really. Uh, even if you look within Europe, when the pandemic hit Italy for the first time, Italy was running out of ventilators and Italy called on Germany and Spain to give ventilators and well Germany and France really to give ventilators and neither country would release any um so again that's hits against really the the core principle of the EU which is um quite worrying I listened to actually Noam Chomsky speaking about this or Noam Chomsky excuse me speak with this and he um he was saying that this is a worrying trend for the future because fair enough afterwards a few months later it did happen and there was a huge amount of support was sent from all the countries in Europe between each other but he said that delay was a real fear and it can't be allowed to happen again it's because that will make people and countries resentful do you know for meant to be brothers in Europe and then you don't help out your brother when they're sick. When are you going to help them? Do you know. Also, Germany and the whole um, COVID bond or euro bonds that they're trying to block is another really strange and interesting thing. Hey, Mark, what do you think around all of this? Um, I do agree. Um, I do look back during the COVID crisis. We did receive. PPE equipment from China, and I mean, of course, we paid for all those. Yes, but, we, but yeah, we received it. We received it from companies rather than from yeah, the Chinese government. Yeah, I, I so, know it did. Do I do know? agree that there wasn't a lot of cooperation. I would love to have seen the EU step in more with terms of linking countries together. Um, but at the same time, we were in a pandemic. Everyone was struggling within their own country. I don't think we can put any specific blame on anyone, but no, I agree. I do think that in the future we could like a lot more communication and cooperation would go so 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 far in terms of helping global pandemics. Maya, sorry, Maya, you were coming in with something you were going to say earlier. I think Maya's gone. Maya is gone. <laughs> um, okay, so. Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll have to continue without her. Do you know? Do you know what? Like we are doing a podcast over Zoom. These things happen. Exactly. We have currently lost Maya, um, for from bad connection. Normally, it is myself that connection is terrible on, but thankfully, I've never actually disappeared. So, um, hopefully, we can get Maya back, um, later on. Um, but we shall continue along with the three of us who are left. Um, so, because uh, again, Alicia, uh, Alicia not Alicia, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't be with us this week. 
it has been now seven weeks and I still have mixed up your names. <laughs> That's okay. There are people <laughs> I know who have known us both for two years, not naming names, but and they still do it. So you're you're so fine, John. You still have another oh, year you, year in the clear. <laughs> Until it's a problem. Um Okay. So uh, Maya's back. Hey, we ha- we have Maya. Mm-hmm. Maya, are you back? Yeah, sorry, my phone Yay! died. It's not charging, so I had to go and get my sister to give me her phone to use her hotspot instead. Sorry about that. That's no problem. The As we were saying to the listeners, the joys of doing a Zoom call during a pandemic. Yeah, well, or doing a Zoom and call from doing... West Cork. Um, <laughs> and recording a podcast yeah. during over Zoom. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing this in a studio, someone can't just disappear. Yeah, you. the joys. Um, <laughs> well, they can't. That'd be just very rude. <laughs> um, so, what about climate change? What would you like to see um, in a post-COVID world around climate change? Just going off something we were kind of mentioning earlier while we're um, kind of touching on the fast fashion idea it's just something that I've kind of looked into a lot with recent months and I think it's very pertinent to speak about it more um and something that I've kind of noticed I read a really interesting article um that somebody linked on Twitter and it was about how buying second hand or buying sustainably um but based mainly second hand can be seen it's kind of a class thing Um, And it always has been for me personally that buying from a charity shop, maybe less so now, but that could just be because I'm in a more kind of accepting college community, I suppose. But when I was growing up, Mm. I would get the absolute beep taken out of me just for saying that I had something from a charity shop or that Mm. I love buying stuff secondhand or that it's, you know, more environmentally friendly. I was very woke from a young age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't use the word woke. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think that it's still very true, especially for kind of teens or even kids who are, you know, they're wearing clothes that their parents got them perfectly good condition from a secondhand store. And the minute somebody finds out or somebody kind of notices, it can be a, wait, do you not have money for new things? You know, I think that it has to be normalized. It has to be spoken about in primary school, even that, you know, the way that the way that you consume has an effect. And that's something that I hope to see in the future that that becomes more normalized, less of a class issue. I had the exact same experience as Alicia. You know, people would be taking the mickey because you're wearing like something you found in the charity shop. And then when you go to college, and they go, hey, where'd you get your pants? It's like, I got them for like a year in the charity shop. Everyone's like, whoa, oh my God, that's so <laughs> class. Like, yeah. And I find it so exciting going to a charity shop and like trying to find a good find. Um, so I think we're exciting. Like, I love it. Alicia was nodding quite a lot. <laughs> wearing charity shop clothes Just... as we speak. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I am not. I like to, but I'm, at this moment, I'm not. But saying that, I all of the clothes I have on me are at a minimum five years old. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't buy clothes. Um, the last time I bought new clothes was three shirts that I needed for a conference that I bought about three months ago, and before that was four years ago. 
Wow. Um, shoes I do buy because you need yeah. shoes, but clothes wise I don't. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the way I'm because I'd be I'm quite of the idea if your clothes still fit you, they don't have holes in them. Why would you buy new ones? Do you know? That's true. What's in season? Feck it, it doesn't matter. You can create your own style by wearing the clothes that you have and like. Do you know? Literally. And also, I mean, like, something me and my friends have started doing maybe for the last year or so is just swap shops. Like, I do Mm. like having some new bits. I'm not going to lie. You know, I like getting some... I like keeping up with the fashion to some extent. And, like, God, I sounded old there. Ew. Uh, I like keeping up to the fashion with the young kids. Anyway, I'm only 19. Disclaimer. (laughs) Um, Wait, you're already 19. I thought you were 20. Not for another two months. Oh, wow. Now Um, I feel old. God help it. I know, I did have a point. If you're feeling old, then what what am I meant to be feeling? (laughs) No, I I don't feel old. I just sounded old. That um, makes me feel so old, though. <laughs> oh, I did have a point. Ah, yes. You, um, we do realize this is a youth podcast, everyone, don't we? Like, representing the youths out there. Um, <laughs> I did, yeah, okay, yes, I did, I did have a point um, <laughs> before I went on a tangent. You did? Really? I know, amazing. Shocker. Uh, um, yeah, look, me and my friends have started doing swap shops where we like the stuff that we don't wear that much anymore. We just bring along, like, a bag of clothes and we all sit around in a circle and just throw them all in a pile and say like oh pick out what you want and it's class like it's so mm. good and then anything that nobody wants you just bring to the charity shop and you have all these new bits and not for a penny and it's stuff people would have put in the charity shop anyway and it's so it's literally so much fun and it's so nice then to see your friends like wearing something that you never wore never loved or mm. never you know utilized and they're like yeah i absolutely love it It, it's great i think it's something people should definitely do more and it kind of gets rid of that idea that a an outfit has one life i think that's a big thing exactly around especially kind of for girls my age i think you know it's like oh you can't wear an outfit twice which is a load of really if you think about it i think it's just something that has to also be dismantled that idea that for every single night out you have, you need a new outfit. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Alicia, I think you uh, you deserved a curse for that one. So we should put in the amount of curse. No, I'll, I'll keep it PG. <laughs> no, but I think that it's it's a very different problem, I think, for men. And Mark, if you would agree, would you agree with this? That Yeah, I, I mean, Jamie, I, I'd be very like you in that I don't buy clothes up. I'm, I mean, I'm currently wearing my... My old painting clothes for the work I was doing today, and I mean these will do, these these will be my painting clothes for 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 the next foreseeable future. Yeah. And I mean for me, <laughs> I, I have them as I mean, <laughs> For for me, it's actually a Star Wars one I've had for a number of years. But anyway, um, for me, like it's t-shirt and jeans. Like I'm not, I'll wear a t-shirt till there's holes in it until, like it it will be bad for me to wear it. Yeah, and that's fine with me, you know. I I don't understand the new fashion. I don't really keep up with that. Don't even know now what the new fashion old. is. <laughs> so, for me, I, I would completely agree. But you know, I don't think there is something to understand with it. I think it's well for. It's not something that has again. You'll see like Top Man, and you see a lot of like shops now that are 
more geared towards men and more men's fashion. Yeah. But if you ever go into them, how the fashion changes in it doesn't change anywhere near as quickly as it mm. does in women's shops. Yeah. Um, because again, it's I don't what I think I don't think it is that um men and women there's a difference in how we interact in the shops. I think what it is is it's that companies have for let's say fifty years geared clothes towards women and needing new clothes and needing new outfits every single night, things like that. They've only really done that with men for about 10 years, let's say. Mm. So there's still a lag. I think coming into the future, there'll be a push for to get men to literally view outfits the same way as um, a lot of women do now. Uh, would you agree with that? What I found very or interesting... what would you think what, of that? What you were saying there, John, about how, like you know, um, you were saying you don't see a huge change in the men's fashion, you know, comparatively in terms of like trends or styles. Yes. And that's a really interesting point when it comes to fast fashion is mm. that say if there's a re- something that's selling really well in pennies, a pair, you know, a t-shirt, for example, and loads of women are buying it and it's a great seller, they will still change it in a small way to keep up even if loads of people are buying that t-shirt and they love it, they're still going to change it a small amount to keep up with that fashion. And this can also mean that those t-shirts that are the, whatever, two weeks out of fashion get thrown away, essentially, just to keep it on the peak level of the newest thing and to create that demand and that want in that way, which just is not going to be able to to keep going that way if we want to to change the way our, our environment is going it isn't the way i look at clothes is that okay you can bring out the new fashion but whatever you go to buy is going to be new for you mm. so i mean regardless True. of whether it's the fashion this year or the fashion last year when you buy it <laughs> it's it's the new fashion for you so i, mean, I love that i love it man I mean, like that is I mean, wonderful personally i was never a clothes person so i just don't get it I mean, at most, I, I might get a new shirt every now and again, but like, I just, I just don't understand really. Um, I think for myself, um, I'm not a huge fast fashion person. Um, I've always been huge into charity shops and stuff. My family are like big on sustainability and stuff. That doesn't mean that I ha- I don't buy fast fashion. Um, uh, up until this year, um, I would have done because I live in the back back end of nowhere. Um. There's not, there's like one charity shop near me. Um, so, you know, we, we do like a clothes shop now and then. Also, I leached off my parents. So, you know, I was just going to mm-hmm. buy whatever they decided. But, um, <laughs> for me, um, being in a rural area, um, you know, not all the time, but you know, a lot of people, there is a, a norm, you know, a certain expectation to follow certain fashion trends. Um, yes. and you know, if yeah. you aren't wearing them, then you, you get the absolute Mickey taken out of you. Um, if you are a little bit alternative, um, or you just get called a hippie, which I think is so stupid. But anyway, I digress. Um, there's, uh, um, Maya, then I think this just to say, you know, like you're saying that you get piss taken out of you or that, yeah. you're um, consider alternative. That happens. Yeah. I think that changes quite a lot when you get to college. Well, that's what I was leading find into. your tribe. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I was, uh, was getting at. I was like, you, yeah, um, 
And so, you know, I wouldn't have as uh, had as up until maybe sixth, fourth year, actually, when I started getting the bus up to Cork and that kind of thing. Um, mm. I got more into clothes because I found it as a really great way to express myself um, mm. and to express my personality. Um, for those who don't know me, 99% of the time, I'm either oh glittering, <laughs> I'm in like funky fabrics, um, bright colors. It's my jam. And you don't really find as much of those kind of things in like normal, you know, fast fashion shops. Um, so I got really into charity shops because that's just, I actually kind of took what I got taken the Mickey out of for. I took that and made it my own. And was there like, Mm. now I actually love it because it's what makes me different. Um, so that's kind of why I like clothes. Um, I like finding things like little gems in charity shops or embroidering my own stuff or, you know, turning things that didn't work into something new. Um, that's kind of what my relationship with clothes would be is my personality expressing myself, I guess. Mm. And I think Maya, that's the very, that's a very positive side of it. Um, and yeah. I really, really like that idea. But I think that also speaks towards the negative side of it, that advertisers and shops and clothes shops have understood that people express themselves through their clothes and thus have created 27 million different styles and styles that change every single year and things like that. So people always feel as if they have to buy something new to express themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Or or else. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're dead right. And then again, with the clothes that we buy, we never take into account the environmental issues. Like it's physically impossible to create um, a t-shirt and sell it for two euro, as can happen in some shops, or even a fiver, and do and pay someone an actual living wage to do so, yeah. and also not and also to protect the environment. So I, mean, I think just going off that, like it's. I just want to put in that one thing that like in both environmentally, but also socially fast fashion yes. is not sustainable and not humane. No. I mean, the way the fast fashion industry is framed to begin with means that someone must be exploited. It just, it can't happen yeah. that this t-shirt can be too your to begin with. And that means something unethical must be lurking in the depths of how it's produced in one way or the other. Definitely. And that's the, the true worry. Um, I think as well, the environmental cost of it is rarely ever looked at. Um, like, And as well, uh, the social cost, because if the environment is being degraded, then people's, well, people's welfare, how people are living is also being degraded. Then that degrades the environment even more because people need to move into industries and into places that are even more degraded to try and keep themselves going so it's it's a continuous cycle and it's um a horrific cycle and it does come back to the there's a certain people who are being affected much more than other people when it comes to this like those who are being affected most by this industry are the black community and people of color um i mean maya you mentioned earlier in bangladesh and i remember we studied this in in religion we were looking at exploitation was in 2010 in 2010 yeah um the 
Clean Clothes campaign reported that Zara and H&M uh, sourced from a Bangladeshi factory where a fire killed 25 workers because the exits were locked so that they couldn't leave. And another 100 or so were it injured. You know, and there was a quote from that that actually harrowed me. It was, these clothes were made with our blood. And I mean, that mm-hmm. is just that. Like, if, if more people could hear that and know that, I think it would be a, a thought on how we, how we consume what was that um factory now i definitely should have i i've just thought about it they showed it to us i think in history maybe in fourth year was it in 2000 was it 2012 2013 there was this factory that it was in bangladesh um this factory that produces clothes or um fabrics or something it it collapsed um yes. like it had been left for so long and it just wasn't being maintained you know the people working there had virtually little to no rights as workers um they just shoved into a factory you know what breaks that and it got to a point where it actually um collapsed like that just says a lot about about you know the way that workers are treated in that kind of environment. I'm pretty sure it was in Bangladesh. Um, yes, it does. And um, it shows as well the the little care that there is there. And uh, and uh, I think as well what it is, is it's the fact that costs at the moment of things we are buying are being externalised. So as in we don't see them. If we look at our food, we look at food and we can buy... Um, like peppers for kind of 60 cent at times, you know, you can buy when there's a deal, you can buy in Aldi, you know, is it um, the 29, isn't there the 29 cent thing? Um, and like, I think it's, it is physically impossible to ship oranges from halfway across the world and sell them for 29 cent and still make a profit. So all of the costs are being put on the environment, but we're not seeing those costs. The same thing with our clothes. All of the costs are being put on developing nations into their environment and into their terrible terrible social issues and how terribly that their workers are being treated and we only see the the t-shirt for 10 euro for 5 euro we don't see the actual problems with the pandemic there was a story that broke recently that said that there was many um companies fast fashion companies that actually wouldn't buy the clothes that they had ordered off these factories because of the pandemic um these clothes had now gone out of season and so they would not buy them um and then so that led to all of this perfectly good clothes being burnt or thrown in the bin and all of the workers then not getting paid for the work that they'd done so that's that's a massive there's no words to describe how heinous that is you know, from environmentally, from socially, and yet by still buying from these companies, we are endorsing it. One small positive thing that I saw in regards to that um, was, I cannot remember for the absolute life of me the name, but it was, they had an Instagram page and somebody I know put up a, um, a post on it and it was a group that were buying these clothes for a reasonable price from the companies or no from 
I don't know how exactly it worked, but basically they would sell these clothes that were going to be destroyed or that were abandoned and the money would then go to the workers but at a much bigger price. So you'd get a a random box, you'd put in your, I think there was like your style, like you'd say colorful, plain, you know, whatever, something like this and your your clothes size and you get three random garments. You don't know what they are and you pay, I think it was 30 pounds for the box, which is much more than you'd be paying, you know, if you're going to pennies or whatever. And then that money would go to the the workers who weren't getting paid for those clothes that they produced. I don't know how exactly they did it, but at least that was one positive thing. And I know that they raised a lot of money from from doing that initiative. So that is absolutely wonderful, and we need to have um, more things like this. Um, I think as well that that would really fix most of the problems we are having if we can just internalize the costs literally let people see the cost the true cost of what they're doing you know if you knew the true cost of what it cost to buy your t-shirt and to make it if we have to go back to the old days where people literally sewed their own clothes there was a reason why people only had maybe three sets of clothes because it's difficult to do it's not an easy thing and so i think that would help I have made one dress in my life and it took me about a week. Um, yeah, so, really? Yeah. The pain though. Oh my God. Like it does take a lot of effort, a lot of concentration. And I swear my eyesight was worse afterwards. <laughs> All those looking at tiny needles. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, an, it's no mean feat. And then imagine doing that every single day mm-hmm. for 18 hours a day off. Yeah. 18 hour working days we often forget the people that are behind the clothes that we wear and the inherent inequalities that exist how do we think we could fix these in the the post-covid world i think it is definitely a discussion that's coming up now in regards to the you know unethical production of clothes is that a, you know, the huge, a huge percentage of those who work in that industry are people of color or part of the black community as well. So I think amongst the discussion that we're seeing um, around Black Lives Matter, this discussion is also coming to the forefront on fast fashion and racism and how they're inextricably linked. Um, it's definitely something I've seen a lot, um, show up on my, my social media personally, and I was so glad to see it. So hopefully that awareness will show a turnaround with this change. That's something that I hope for. Um, I've had some conversations with people who are seeing, that inequality exposed now in a way that they haven't before as it was kind of um, the the energy behind the the Black Lives Matter movement was what pushed it for them, basically. Um, So hopefully that people would become more aware and make better choices as a result of this, because in the end, it it are the, it, it is these, these people who are getting, you know, affected. It's humans behind the workers. You know, it's not just workers, it's literal human beings. That's a really important thing. I think 
we're so like our our whole world is so hellbent upon consuming and consuming and consuming um and we don't we sometimes have these goggles on that literally we are literally only looking at what's in front of us i've got my computer here um you know i don't know where it came from i don't know how it was made i don't know where it originated from um and i don't know the work that was put into it and i think you know, I was saying earlier about, you know, understanding in my ideal world, people would understand that. Um, I know that's a huge thing, but just more global empathy and solidarity because the way, um, the way things are and the, like the racism in the fast fashion industry is just, it's so concerning and we don't realize it's happening. Um, and I'm really glad these conversations are beginning now. Like we were talking earlier about, you know, direct provision in Ireland and like COVID. Um, there's these like literal hotspots around the country that are um, like breeding ground for the virus. But and then these phases were introduced. But how are we going to reach the phases if we're leaving members of our community behind and we aren't listening to the mm-hmm to the stories and what they have to say and their, their fear. Um, and I think it's really important to be listening to, to people, especially to people of color and the black community, listening to what they're saying in this time and really take it on board. Cause I know it's hard because um, we're challenging current perceptions and ideas and the way that we've all lived our lives for so long. Um, but it's really, really important to listen and to take it on board. I agree entirely, Maya. Um, and I do think underlying all of this, all of the problems in our society, um, comes to what you spoke to before, basically neoliberalism. It's the fact that our entire economy is based on consumption. And so when the economy shuts down and people are only consuming the essentials, People are saying, oh, God, the economy is going to collapse. No one has any jobs. But it seems to me that it's slightly worrying when most of the jobs in an economy are around consumption, not around sustainability. Yeah. And there's this something is, very wrong there. There's this. Um, oh, what's his name? Now, this was like, now uh, I'm not sure what date it was, but it, he was years before this happening. There's this fella who years ago and his name was Kenneth Balding. And he had this paper and it basically had described the two models, two basic models of the economy. And it was one was the cowboy economy and the other was um, spaceship economy. And the cowboy economy is consumption, 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 consumption. Let's use it up. Let's use all the materials we have and who cares about the future yes. because we're consuming and then the spaceship economy is where we are more focused on sustainability and preserving what we have and ensuring that in the future people will also have these things and will be it's sustainable so our generations to come people will still be using it um I just think they're very interesting ways of looking at it because I always remember those two models because of the way they were described. But this was years ago. This was now I could be wrong, but I think it was like the nineteen seventies. I think well, it could have been earlier. 
before before that even Karl Marx basically said that capitalism is doomed because it's gonna have to run out at some point (laughs) um so yeah we've known for a long time that we can't continue this way but yes yet here we are but the the issue is capitalism I don't even think capitalism is the issue. I think it is the form of capitalism we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the fact that no one even knows what neoliberalism is. What I think is is incredible. When people, when if you ever ask someone, you know, what kind of system we live in, and you say a neoliberalism, neoliberalist system, they'd be like, "What the hell is that?" We're so ingrained in it, we don't even know the name of it. Do you know what? terrifying yeah, i didn't even i didn't even know what it was until i literally went to university to study politics and then i found out what <laughs> neoliberalism was so i like, think that like, that says it all yeah it, that really 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 does and then again when our consumptive economy is based and predicated on inequality of course we're going to get in systemic racism like they're just they basically just wrote they're two sides of the same coin. And so we need a, an overhaul of how we do things. We really do. Um, and again, Maya, I think from what you were saying about just bringing empathy back, I think that would be incredibly important. Um, this is going to be a little, for everyone. little self-promo on the empathy aspect, but coming up to four <laughs> years ago now, um, with the YMCA, yeah. actually, we... Um, I directed a film called Empathy on exactly this. Um, it oh, was lovely. it was based uh, it was for Show Racism the Red Card, which is a um, anti racism uh, hey! group. Um, <laughs> we did that, and yeah, we made a film which I'm sure we can link it. I'm sure we can link it to this podcast, um, which said exactly that. It was it was um, based around the idea of having empathy with those who you don't understand or that, you know, those who may intimidate you for one reason or another, whether it's conscious or not. And that once you learn somebody's story, once you educate yourself in one way or the other, that can be dismantled. And then at the end of the film, we basically, it just said, before you speak or act, think, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And yeah, that was the whole idea behind it. That's really strong. Because um, I think what empathy is really grown when we listen to each other. Um, yes. And when we when I say listen, I mean really listen, like actively listen mm. and reflect on it. Because in the way we work as humans, you know, we do a lot of talking. Uh, but how much of it do we actually remember? Um, how much of what we say to each other do we actually process and think about? Um, and I think it's so important, especially when discussing these issues, to really listen to the people who have experienced it and to listen to each other's stories and um, experiences. Because when you're talking to someone face to face or listening to them, um, hearing you know what they have to say, I feel like it really does kind of grow empathy because you feel that personal connection to to them um you're engaging with them you do um yeah i remember the conversation i had with Fanula o'connell last week the interview um, i love Fanula. i also love Fanula. yeah she's fantastic <laughs> she's, 
it was incredibly incredibly enlightening because I had never really thought of racism uh, as an as as an Irish problem. You'd always think of it, you know, as a problem elsewhere. Um, but so it was quite heartbreaking and also incredibly important to hear the stories of what's happening in Ireland because then you understand why the marches happened in Ireland, why they're happening around the world, not just in America. America has been the catalyst, but it has shone a light on the problems elsewhere. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. Like I'm like I found the last couple of weeks hard in a sense because it's such an overhaul of information and I'm trying to take in as much information as I possibly can, learn as much as I possibly can. But I'm also trying to, you know, educate others as well because like I, I work, I work in the area of, um, you know, human rights within, I work with a lot of, a lot of my friends would have experienced direct provision and stuff. Um, and it's just, there's so much happening. Um, and it's really good. It's really good that we're, we're looking at this, but I really hope that people remember that we are exploring new things and some people more so than others. And, you know, we're talking about empathy and stuff that, you know, you, that people understand that, you know, you, you still need to recuperate. Um, we don't want to burn ourselves out from trying to take in too much, um, all at once. Um, and just to mind yourselves, I guess, because everything's online at the moment. Um, it feels like you aren't doing that much. You know, you feel like you're just scrolling through your Instagram and reading stuff when in reality, your brain is still working and it can still be mentally exhausting. Um, but yeah, yeah. And Fanula is great. Um, she was, <laughs> uh, she's in the year above me or two years above me. Yeah, two years above me in my degree. Um, and in first year, she was like a mammy to us all because she was on the Falcher <laughs> committee as well. She was our welfare officer and oh, always checking in, always, always so helpful. She helped me choose my elective modules. Absolutely amazing person who just has such a beautiful way of explaining things. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing that podcast. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a fantastic conversation. It really, really was. Yeah. So now we'll get to speaking about our happy personal stories that happened to us this week. As a staff in this chair, we couldn't finish an episode without one. <laughs> Alicia, what's your happy story? Um, yeah, so this week I um, went to the Black Lives Matter march and it was absolutely amazing. Um, I think it... It was very, very powerful, and um, I met a lot of amazing people there, and that was a very happy day for me. It was sad in many ways. It was a very melancholy feeling, but it was also intensely powerful. So that's my that was my happy story for the week. Mark, what's your happy story? Um, I guess I don't really have a happy story this week, but I guess what's been keeping me going, keeping me really good with this week is just being busy uh, working at home doing some of the woodwork I'm working on it's just keeping me busy which is important for me at the moment so I guess that's what's keeping me happy nice one Maya what's your happy story um so I've recently moved home um home home from like I've moved like twice in the past like couple of weeks um and it means I can see my granddad again 
and oh, I am super tight with my granddad. We're best buds. Um, I'm definitely the favorite grandchild. Um, none of them are listening, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, but we're real close. He's been cocooning. Um, but the weather's been so fine. Um, the other day, um, after I was quarantining, um, finished quarantining, uh, we went up to his house and it, there was me and my mom went up, but then we bumped into my two aunts as well. And it was so nice. Um, the weather was so good and we were just sitting outside and my granddad was in this chair, right? He has this chair and he has this, um, umbrella, sun umbrella over him. And it's just such a brilliant image. Um, <laughs> and we just sat out there for a couple of hours chatting and I hadn't seen or had like the chats with my family in so long. And it was just really nice. I just felt so calm. It was great. Uh, so that's, that's my answer. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> so my own, I'm currently making elderflower wine which is quite fun and I'm going to I've made one batch so I made four litres and tomorrow I'm about to collect a load of elderflower to make a second batch because I got a 30 litre bucket off one of my friends so that's my happy thing this week please do invite us over when you have 30, 30 litres of wine yeah <laughs> that sounds like a good time <laughs> it's quite fun it takes about what if they want to be quick about four weeks you want the good about 12. Um, so I made it last year, so I'm hoping this year. I made what about, I think I made 15 litres last year, so I'm upping it to about maybe 40 this year. So we'll see. Should be fun. The year's supply, <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it actually tastes nice. It is, oh, it's so nice. Anyway, that's, that's my happy story to use the wonderful outdoors to make your own alcohol and I'm also making <laughs> cordial as well which is going to be fun anyway that is my happy story and now Alicia I believe you have a happy story from around the world for us for, to, for I, us to end on this week I do indeed um, so this is a small story I, I read um, somewhere God only knows where um, last week which I thought was really nice it was um, an anonymous donor in Florida donated 40k uh, $40,000 to a small cafe um, slash restaurant who then were fully funded so that they could survive the pandemic and also um, provided food to healthcare workers in their town so I thought that was a very sweet thing that I read that's a really really nice story I like that so on that lovely positive and happy note thank you everyone you're wonderful, amazing, beautiful people. Until the next one. Enjoy your Bye. evening. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. YMCA services will continue to be available to you throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, including the new online information chat service. If you were looking for information about anything or just want to have a chat with someone, YMCA youth information staff are available to talk it through and get you an answer. Youth Information Helpline is available from 2pm to 4pm Monday to Saturday at 023-88-44009. That's 023-88-44009. Online Youth Information Chat is available from 4pm to 8pm Monday to Friday 
at ymca-ireland.net forward slash question. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at yiyoungvoices. Please follow the official guidelines to stay safe and you'll find lots of advice and tips on how you can look after your mental well-being, stay active and stay connected at gov.ie forward slash together. This is a very difficult time for us all. Thank you for listening to the Happiness Jar podcast. Look after yourselves and stay safe.